you know, you have to fill up your own cup first, right? Especially as a creative person, because if you keep giving, keep giving, the cup's going to be empty and you can't give from an empty cup. And so I think I just have to like little by little fill that up throughout my day. And, and then I have, you know, stuff to draw from the next day, the next morning when I sit down. Welcome to the podcast tapping creativity with myself, Matthew C. Temple. And each week, we're going to dive into questions and issues and inspiration around creativity and the creative process. In the past, we've had uh, poets on the show, but it's actually been a different type of poet. We've had, you know, slam poets, uh, spoken word artists. Uh, and today we're going into a little bit of a different direction with that. We have with us today, James Cruz, who is the editor of The Path to Kindness, a book that we'll be talking about today, but we'll also be talking about uh, poetry and James's relationship to poetry. Thank you so much uh, for joining today, James. Appreciate yeah, having well, you. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Matthew. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So kind of even kind of stepping back before that, you've chosen poetry, obviously, as the medium to express either through your own words or through finding others who have said it better than anyone else could. Why poetry and what's your relationship to it? Well, poetry for me, um, I almost feel like it found me, which, you know, is is what I think a lot of artists feel like you know, they just kind of found the right expression. And it really kind of happened by accident uh, and, and really started when I was in the third grade. I was just eight years old and I had a really great teacher who decided that we needed to memorize and recite a poem every single week, and, which seems like a lot to ask of an eight-year-old. Um, and and I just, I found a lot of delight actually in reading like Shel Silverstein, I think is what I was reading at the time. And reciting some of those poems, and then I finally got the bright idea that I could maybe write and recite some of my own poetry, and then it would probably be easier, actually, to remember <laughs> if I had written it in the first place. Um, so it, it, it's possible that poetry began as a lazy way of um, doing this assignment, but I think my classmates' response, my teacher's response taught me, like, oh, I could do something and the world would respond to it. In, in a positive and encouraging way. And I was really lucky that, that I did have the encouragement. And I think poetry appeals to me because I'm a, a shyer and more introverted person. It's something that tends to come out of a lot of stillness and quiet. You know, even if you're doing slam poetry, spoken word, there's like this, this way in which it comes out of the, the deeper parts of you that you have to, to listen to, to really get access to. And I enjoy stillness, solitude, quiet. And uh, and so, you know, I think that's why I gravitated toward this art form. And, um, and then just as time has gone on and I started publishing my own poetry, I realized that I wanted to create a community of my own poets. And so I started putting together these anthologies, which are really accessible poetry, relatable poetry that people can understand. And that's just about like everyday lived experience, because that's the kind of poetry that I think we need more in, in our lives. And um, I think it's the kind of poetry people are hungry for right now. Mm, interesting. You said accessible, and it's something that as I was reading through this compilation, it was like very accessible. And so I'm actually going to kind of take a little step away from that, because uh, uh, 
in the last year, I've read two books by Stephen Jenkinson. And I don't know if you're familiar with the author. If you aren't, mm -hmm. highly recommend his uh, two books. Um, uh, and in one of them, he, he kind of comes back and he quotes poetry now and again. And one of the things is there are times where I'm like, I get it when you've explained it to me, mm. but poetry is one of those things. I feel like I'm a, you know, a decently, you know, moderately intelligent human being. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker. And yet sometimes I pick up a poem that, be, that is, uh, and I wish I had an example, but I'll pick up a poem that is important poem in the history of poetry and literature. And I'm like, there's stuff in there that I just don't get. And that's frustrating to me, which is probably why I should just devote the rest of my life to poetry. How do you deal with, with living in that place, either of finding the, the thing that you can grab onto in a art form that is actually specifically or very often supposed to be somewhat ephemeral and, uh, you know, and non-specific in some ways, right? It's like poetry is like sometimes the most specific thing. And yet you could also just come out and say, I love you. Instead, you have to write, you know, annals of poetry and books and just say, I love you. And it can come away in such this way that's ephemeral. There's another word that I'm that I'm missing, but this what whatever that piece is that says, like, this is so much there's so much more to say in I love you than simply those three words. Hmm. And yet I don't need all those other words, so they become sometimes superfluous, but at the same time, so 100% necessary to express mm -hmm. those nuances that can't just be said. Yeah. So I get a little bit lost. Help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I can only help so much. And, and I, I agree with you, actually. I, I think of myself as a pretty intelligent and educated guy. And I, and I actually have more patience because I am a practicing poet. So when I encounter a poem, let's just say in the New Yorker, I'll pick on them. Um, and I'm like, hmm, I don't really get this. I don't really understand what the purpose is, what the point is. And, um, and it really frustrates me too. I think many poets' intention is to be mysterious. And so to dwell in that place of the kind of unconscious and... Um, and to access their creativity in that way. For me, that's not helpful because I want to be able to relate to people. I want to be able to relate to my readers. And so I'm writing and curating the kind of poetry that is much more understandable. That's really welcoming. I think of it as like being an open door. Um, instead, some poems are like, you're like, this doesn't even look like a door and I know it's locked. Like, I'm just, I can't get into it. And I think we're trained oftentimes in high school and college, we study much, much older poetry. And so we're trained to think of poetry as a puzzle. Like, what was the author trying to say? How many times have you heard a teacher say that? You know. Mm -hmm. And so I think what poetry is really about, even the stuff you can understand and relate to, is what does it bring up in you? And so like, we don't make the same demands of, let's say, an abstract painting. Like, what is this about? What does this represent? We have a response to it or we don't. And I think that's that's where we have to be with poetry. You're just going to respond to certain things and, and you're not. But it's really about what does the poem bring up in you? What does it spark in you? 
That's what I'm most interested in, you know, because you might not understand every single aspect of a poem and it could still bring this memory forward, or it could still help you access something that you were trying to write about because poetry is like this condensed little, I don't know, it's like a packet of tang or something, you know, you just like add some water and it becomes, that's a terrible example, but it becomes this other thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's my, that's that's my favorite uh, analog to poetry is tang. (laughs) Yeah, it is tangy sometimes. (laughs) Uh, It's it's funny because once again, one of the things that can sometimes uh, confound me is when somebody says who really understands that or who has maybe it's also just a particular poem um, and then they share what it means to them I'm like that's when I start to feel self-conscious because mm. I'm like that's amazing like you that entire world was opened up for you from those three lines it didn't mm-hmm. open that I read those three lines and I'm like what are they saying? And you read those three lines and that was like, you know, in like the Philip Pullman, it's like, that's like the subtle knife. That's like opening up a whole other world. And now Mm -hmm. I'm just jealous (laughs) and I feel (laughs) inferior. (laughs) Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I think poetry is, it actually, unfortunately, as it's traditionally been, it's really good at bringing up those feelings of inadequacy, which I'm very familiar with, with certain poems. Um, But I think it goes back to that matter of personal taste, like, you know, something that really touches you and opens you up, you know, someone else is going to read it and they're going to be like, meh, you know, that doesn't do much for me. Um, So I think that's why I love anthologies, because it's how I really started encountering poetry when I was a younger kid. Like I would find these anthologies in the library and I didn't love every poem, but I remember like literally finding certain poems, typing them out and then putting them on my bedroom wall. There was just something about them. And, um, and that's the great thing about an anthology is like, it's this sort of smorgasbord of poems. And I think by nature, an anthology understands like, okay, you're not going to respond to every single one of these, but hopefully there's something in here and several poems that really speak to you. And, and it is mysterious, like you're saying, you never know what, what's going to be brought up. Like there's a poem in here by actually a more spoken word slam poet, Rudy Francisco, and it's called Mercy. And it's like 67 words, but there's all this power that's contained in these lines. And, and it's about him deciding not to kill a spider and, and just saying, like, I hope that someone will grant me that same kind of mercy when I'm just out walking in the world, you know, kind of going about my business. So there's just all this resonance and context from a very, like, just a very few lines. So do you have that particular poem bookmarked? Because 67 uh, words is uh, (laughs) certainly fits within the scope of the amount of time we have here on the (laughs) show. (laughs) Yeah, I can read it for you. So um, this is Mercy by Rudy Francisco. She asks me to kill the spider. Instead, I get the most peaceful weapons I can find. I take a cup and a napkin. I catch the spider, put it outside, and allow it to walk away. If I am ever caught in the wrong place at the wrong time, just being alive and not bothering anyone, I hope I am greeted with the same kind of mercy. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah. And, and of course, there's a, a greater context because he's writing as a younger Black man. And so then that that poem kind of, you know, that's where the the water to the tang comes in. You're like, oh, this poem is mm-hmm. even larger than that. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So in our sort of current fast-paced TikTok, Instagram, who knows what's next world, a publisher decided that you were the person to put this anthology together and make this really like, beautiful book. So I'm going to ask you, sir, why you and so what your process was of being a uh, published editor for poetry. And But I'm, before I do, I just want to say something about the book that I'm really enjoying, and it's The Uncut Edges. Because now the 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 beauty of that is as I was going through, I could kind of do this thing where I open it up and kind of see where I land. And it also made me wonder if I picked up 10 copies of this, are the uncut pages similar enough that I would get the same poems that would just kind of be like, read me? Or would they be different because the cuts were, you know, the uncut rough edges were slightly different. That's something I loved and I found too. And I will probably read one uh, one of these before the end of the before the end of the day, just because I loved them. But uh, but going back to that question, tell me about you and your relationship to this world that you are the man chosen to put this particular poetry anthology together in such a fast pace. What's the newest, most exciting thing world that we live in? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And and even like why put a book like this out into the world right now with it being so fast paced and like take the time and attention, like you're saying, to have those rough cut um, deckled edges on the pages and to make the book like a beautiful physical experience. Um, so I, I think that's one question, but the larger question is why me? And, you know, I'm, I'm humbled to be chosen to do something like this. Um, I take it very seriously, but I think it's just because I've kind of, I've followed my passion for, you know, the last, I guess, decade now, and really just have gone about like sharing poems that I love with people on social media. Um, my very first anthology was published with a tiny press based here in Vermont called Greenwriters Press in, in Brattleboro. And, you know, that was a great starting point for me um, to kind of learn how to do this editing work, how to reach out to poets. And I just found that I, I got really addicted to the process of like bookmaking and community making and doing it under the, the kind of umbrella of these larger themes that it feels like we need more in our world today. And so, you know, that's that's how I got started. And then uh, somehow I talked to the, the publisher of Story Publishing into uh, doing one last year um, that came out last year and um, Gratitude and Hope, not knowing that a pandemic was coming. That was the, the theme that we had settled on. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and it felt like people were turning to poetry. People needed that message of gratitude and hope more than ever. And now as we're emerging from the pandemic, I feel like kindness is that larger message. Like we need that sense of connection, um, especially in this war-torn world that we're living in at the moment. And um, and so I guess I feel like they chose me because I feel like I have this deeper calling, not just to write my own poetry, which I love. The other piece of that for me is finding poems I love and sharing those with other people because the poems I love have fed my own creative process and fed my own writing. And so there's no greater satisfaction than 
like getting online and, and lifting other people up, even as you're like lifting up your own work and sharing that. Um, so I think it's that spirit of like generosity and sharing and that I'm not, I'm not as comfortable with the limelight, honestly. So I'm definitely not doing it to like, you know, have my face on, on all these different things. Um, it's really that, that more pure intention of just kind of spreading poetry to a mainstream audience. Mm, interesting. You know, uh, there's something else in some ways too about an anthology, uh, which is that it makes me wonder what is more exposing to a poet putting together, you know, a bunch of poems of other people to tell uh, obviously part of your story or sharing your own poems. Yeah. You know, they are equally, but differently exposing and vulnerable. Like before this, I guess the book officially comes out on, um, on April 12th, but before that, um, I I've just been feeling super vulnerable and, and really exposed. And, and so I think, it's one thing to put out just a collection of poetry, which usually has a title, doesn't usually, isn't organized under some larger theme or subtitle. And then to put out these anthologies and to say, okay, like my values are, are gratitude, hope, connection, joy, like that feels really exposing actually. And um, I think for a long time, I lived in in more of an academic world and and it's been tough to, to not still have those old fears and doubts come up of like, what if my old colleagues are going to judge me? Or what if my, you know, old uh, grad student colleagues are, are, are judging what I'm doing, you know? So, so they're, they're exposing just in different ways. I mean, it, with your own work, you're, you're really laying it out there. Um, but I think if you're not the, the editor, it's a little easier in some ways to kind of hide behind that and just like let the work speak for itself. In the case of these anthologies, I'm really like curating, introducing, kind of guiding readers along throughout the book. Hmm. So uh, I, I don't know that much about the world of being a poet. As I mentioned, you know, I've been a filmmaker and, and there was a period of time where I made a living as a musician. Those could very much be most like full-time jobs, right? Like I made movies, I went to, I had an office. So when I was a musician, I was touring and I was doing things like that. Something tells me that being a poet in and of itself is not a full-time job. Um, and, and I don't mean like, you know, I don't mean sort of like from a button down, like 50s dad saying, son, get a real job. But, right. um, but it's also something that actually almost requires space. So as mm -hmm. someone who is like, as a, as a poet uh, and, you know, and an editor of poetry, what are the other things in your life that either you do or the things that inspire you, you know, to, when you're doing this? Yeah. Well, I used to think a long time ago that I, you know, oh, my, my dream would be like a cabin in the woods and like endless amounts of time to write. And then I went through a little period where I tried that and you don't have anything to write about if you're not living your life, right? <laughs> um, it's terrible. It's a burden to have so much time on your hands. And so I've learned what works for me is just, you know, writing first thing in the morning, having that strong cup of coffee, sitting down with a notebook before checking my phone or opening my laptop. And, um, and that's when the writing gets done. I'm an incrementalist, like little by little, that's how things happen. 
And the rest of the time really is about work like this. So sharing poetry, um, teaching poetry. So I lead workshops and like journaling poetry, lots of different things. I love working with new writers, um, people who maybe don't know poetry as well. And then my, my husband, we live in, in rural Vermont here. He's an organic farmer. So, you know, there's, there's stuff to do there, walks to take on the dirt roads here. And um, so it, it all kind of adds up to a life. But you are right. It takes space. And I think it takes just encounters with the world to have something to write about. Mm. So it's sort of like a, there's for you, your your process actually really almost requires in order to do anything, if I'm understanding correctly, almost, you know, an in-breath is required in order to breathe out. And you actually have to get yourself into that rhythm. Am I getting that right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. And and I am a, a meditator as well. So that really resonates with me that, you know, that attention to the breath. And, and I just think it's the idea that, you know, you have to fill up your own cup first, right? Especially as a creative person, because if you keep giving, keep giving, the cup's going to be empty and you can't give from an empty cup. And so I think I just have to like little by little fill that up throughout my day. And, and then I have, you know, stuff to draw from the next day, the next morning when I sit down. Nice. Wow. And for anyone else who's, who's listening, uh, I'm kind of, I'm three and a half years ago about, I moved to Kenya. I had organized my life and and such that I could actually, when I left for Kenya, I didn't have any, I, I just wrote and I walked for about nine months. And then I thought, okay, it's about time for me to start getting, um, you know, looking at how I'm going to, you know, actually create creative output that could bring, you know, bring some income in again. And, and then the pandemic hit and all the things that I'd been building towards, they were film projects just completely, you know, went away. So I've had all this time you know, and right now I'm living in rural Northern California and it's beautiful. Actually, there've been like deer and wild turkey walking past my mom, mm. the the window while we've been sitting here. And it's like, you know, you can see the beach from here you know, and I can't see, but you can see the hills and over, you know, over one set of hills is a beach and it's beautiful. Like mm-hmm. as, as a, as a, as someone who's a, uh, a creative to have this type of space is what everyone dreams of. And I woke up, mm. not, metaphorically speaking, I woke up the other day and I realized this doesn't work. Like mm. I, I need, you know, there's a structure in life of where I have to be up at a certain time that allowed me in the past to be in some ways way, way more prolific in my creative work yeah. than I have been where I literally had three and a half years to do it, to do anything. I mean, it's been a pretty good it's been a pretty good period of time. I can't, I, I'm not going to pretend like it hasn't been. And I'm not going to pretend like I haven't done some things that I'm really happy with and some beautiful work. But I ha- let me put it this way. I don't think I've done more having all mm-hmm. the free time than I did when I had a lot of constricted time or even like little kids. Like I, I found ways of, you know, in the evening, put the kids to bed instead of, watching Netflix or doing whatever I might go wash the dishes. And then I'd sit down and I'd write for an hour. Right. And it was like, mm-hmm. and that hour was so precious because it was yeah. the one I had. Whereas now I got eight, I got, I don't know, 16, 18 hours to do literally whatever <laughs> I want. So not a single one is precious anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really resonate with that. I, I think it becomes more precious the less you have of it. And 
And you're right. I mean, that structure is really important. So I think if anybody can take away anything, it's that you can get a lot done in the gaps, you know, exactly. the gaps between things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I am, uh, there were two, two uh, poems that I bookmarked. Um, uh, I'm going to read one now. And then the other one uh, I will also read. Uh, and I'll put a, a link in the show notes down below for anyone who wants to, to hear the other one. Um, but I just want to kind of go with this because I really love it. It's something that was about uh, something very sort of simple and about the um, sort of appreciating the things that we don't think we can appreciate. Um, mm. And it's called In Praise of Dirty Socks. <laughs> Say what you want to stay and never fade. Choose. I consider my daughter's socks strewn on the sofa, thick cotton, pink with gold threaded hearts dingy souls, rank. Long ago, weeks, when chemo pinned me like a butterfly, too nauseous to nag, she cleaned her things, like saying a spell, like making a wish. How she forgets, how I strain to remember, how if illness or violence should still her, the empty arms of this charcoal couch would ache. Now the socks draped here, quiet my mind, as morning wind churns, ferrying amber leaves. Mm. Yeah. So um, beautiful. I, you know, it reminds me a little bit of the Fisher King when towards the end he was, you know, it was like the things that used to annoy me, used to bother me. Now that she's gone, I miss those things. And, and I think also for those of us who are not getting any younger, this thought of how she forgets and how I strain to remember. I just was like, wow, you know, um, that's a, sort of this beautiful piece of um, uh, just this kind of question of also what's what's better, forgetting or remembering or, right? Like, you know, where is there more preciousness? So I really love that. It's um, beautiful. So, well, thank you so much for showing up and sharing some of your insight and wisdom in the world of poetry. Um the Path to Kindness, by the time this goes to air, will be available. Um, so grab yourself a copy. Um, and it's like, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, The Path to Kindness uh, by James, or edited by James Cruz. Uh, one of the beauties of it is that it is poetry that is both profound and beautiful, but also simple and not pretentious and not trying to be like you know, make you feel dumb like I usually feel when I read poetry. If you really wanted to, A, be on the path to kindness, and B, find a book of poetry that is both profound yet simple and yet also accessible, The Path to Kindness, grab yourself a copy. 